Welcome to Church Jams Now, the podcast where three former youth group kids and current music nerds deep dive into Christian music from the 90s and 2000s. I, of course, am your co-host, Kylan Savage. With me is Mr. TJ Smith. Hey, hey. And our beautiful producer, Josh Olson. What's up, guys? But guys, hush. We have a guest this week. (laughs) (laughs) We're just going to keep doing that bit. (laughs) Wait, wait, we do? I thought yeah. this was just a regular episode. It was not a regular episode. It's better oh. than a regular episode. Oh, cool. I thought somebody was getting married. I was really confused. Oh, yeah, that's what you, you thought when you got the invitation yeah. to this Zoom? I thought it was I'm like sure. a Zoom wedding. Is, is, oh, my God. I'm <laughs> With some guy named... What, what was the name? Guys, we have Kevin Keene here from the wedding. <laughs> I'm sure he's never got that joke before. I'm sure never, ever. That was really great, guys. I had to wedding do it. Wedding invitation, <laughs> wedding march. I'm sure you've heard every <laughs> everything kevin thank you so much for coming on man yeah thank you guys for having me this is this is fun I haven't done this in a while sweet we're Ooh. we're very excited to continue our artist interview series by having you on and i told the guys i texted them yesterday before you know we started this i was like okay i need both of you guys to hold it down because the more and more i think about it <laughs> the more I'm actually like super gonna fanboy out. <laughs> so, because I've been a fan of the wedding for a very long time. Well, everyone that is a fan has been a fan of a very long time because it was like 20 <laughs> yeah. years ago. That's true. That is That's true. That is true. Yeah. So, I wanna talk about everything. So, let's start at the beginning, which is no a good pressure. place to begin. Okay. So, on our podcast, we talk about Christian music from the 90s and 2000s. So I would love to get uh, your perspective on that. Like, did you grow up just listening to church music? Um, you know, who were you listening to in elementary school, middle school, high school? What, what is your experience mm-hmm. with you. Christian music? Yeah. So, yeah, I grew up... Um, my parents, and they'll hate that I share this because they're not like this now, but they, they grew up in like the Bill Gothard movement where drums were evil. Oh, they yeah. like, <laughs> they burned, I don't know if they actually burned. That's probably not, I don't think there was fire involved. <laughs> I think they threw away all their record collection. Disposed of, yeah. Disposed of, yeah. I don't think it was as dramatic as a as a burning. <laughs> but, uh, so I grew up, yeah, strictly... Strictly Christian music. Michael Libby Smith, Steve, Stephen Chris Chapman were my main influences. Pillars. And yeah, they were the, they held it down. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was pretty much what informed my musical tastes and just grew up in church and sang in choir and really didn't encounter anything besides that kind of music probably until I was. 14, 15, 16, I was probably into my teenage years before I even heard, I mean, I would hear popular music, I would listen, you know, to, obviously, I would. I lived in the world, so I'm in mm-hmm. Target and Walmart, and I'm hearing music, but I really, honestly, like, I get a little embarrassed because people will be talking about 80s, 70s, 60s era music, and I really don't have a great music history like i just listened right. to 90s christian music and that was it yeah, yeah um probably the only classic rock i listened to petra and 
Striper, Heck Christian, yeah, classic rock bands, which we actually got to end. We ended up opening for Petra on one of their farewell no shows, way. which was Amazing. awesome. Oh, that's um, so good. Full circle. But <laughs> but yeah, so definitely grew up strictly, strictly Christian music until my teenage years. So, And what were those like secular bands that sort of snuck their way in finally when they did? What were those ones that you were like into so, that you can remember? There was actually like, there was a show at our youth group. It was like a battle of the bands. And so me and my friends, I started playing in bands in like ninth grade. And we had this little band and we played, you know, Creed covers and all like, if you didn't, if you weren't in a cover band that played higher by Creed at some point, (laughs) I don't know if you really (laughs) were ever in a band. (laughs) So we did that and Switchfoot and just all the Switchfoot Legend of Chin, which is still an amazing album. Um, like sure. all that era stuff. And then we had a battle of the bands. And so my band played, but this this like pop punk three piece played. And I'd never really heard pop punk before. And it was mm-hmm. just like my creative brain exploded. I was like, this <laughs> is this is the epitome of good music like this is the perfect music like it was just a local band and i still know the guys like some of them still live here locally and i i ran into one of them the other day and was just like dude their band's name was without a star i was like without a star like changed my life like i from that night it like (laughs) set me on a trajectory because they just i mean the the just drums bass and one electric guitar like it was just the perfect three-piece pop punk band so so from there i got super into pop punk and like i remember i think even like one of the questions you guys asked is like what was the first secular cd you bought Mm. and i remember when i could drive so as soon as i started driving at 16 i started listening you know to whatever i wanted to and so i went and bought Newfound Glory, Sticks and Stones was my first oh, yes. CD. <laughs> I was just listening to and, that like two days ago. It's so good. Yeah. And so that was like my intro. And then it just from there, I mean, gosh, then like all the drive through records bands, like Starting yeah. Line was amazing. Loved Starting Line. And we had mm. some drive through records DVD that we watched. I can't remember what, what it was, but it was like all the, all the, what is it? Uh, I can't even remember some of the names of the bands now. Starting line was the main one that stuck. I was there was some like Glory and Starting Line were the big, yeah, the two big ones. But who else Mm -hmm. was there? Was some like amazing? It wasn't a ska band, but it was like horns and I I can't remember the name of the band. But anyway, (laughs) all the bands on Drive Through Records at that era, like we just ate them up, and um, that super informed like the way we started writing, and uh, so yeah, and. The other guys that ended up forming the wedding, we were all in high school together, and we were in a couple different bands, and Trevor, our guitarist, was like the original member of this punk band called Easier Said. Yeah. And uh, so his drummer ended up leaving, and they needed a drummer, so they got the drummer from, from our band, which our band was called, oh uh, gosh, what was that band called? 
I can't remember. This should be on our bingo card, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> when when somebody can't remember the name of the band they were in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they would be so mad at me because there was already kind of hurt feelings because we left that band to join Easier Said and that that became the wedding later. Um, mm. Anyway, Trevor was like always dialed into like cool music. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Some of the other guys in our band weren't. But Trevor was like MXPX kid through and through rancid and just like all the old punk rock stuff he like was very knowledgeable about and so he gave us a quick like we got caught up fast on what what punk rock was and what rock and roll was to us as 16 year olds 17 year olds but um so yeah that's kind of how i branched out i guess was first with newfound glory and then just kind of spiraled from there so that's so rad. Well, the funny thing to me is that so what you're talking about with the with the local pop punk band that like mm-hmm. started your whole changed your whole music trajectory. That was the wedding for me cuz like That's I awesome. went I went from like a weird little homeschool kid in Bentonville, Arkansas, and then you guys played our church. And you guys played at the music hall, and I played my very first show ever at the music hall Woo-woo. in Fayetteville. And like when That's I awesome. formed, I, I was just doing like acoustic dashboardy stuff. I was like mm-hmm. fifteen, and then I, when I got a full band, I like wanted to be the wedding. <laughs> I was like, "This is what I want us to be. I want to be the wedding and taking back Sunday." It was like, this, oh, is, oh, yeah. this is what I want us to be. So We oh, wanted to be so... taking back Sunday. So. Well, yeah, everyone wanted to be taking back Sunday. <laughs> that's, that's so right. cool. Yeah, that. then you remember that, like, I was just talking to someone the other day, just how, like, the music hall in Fayetteville, Arkansas, was just some really special it was, era man. of time. Like, it's it was a nasty little cinder block room. Like, that's all it was. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, that story is probably been told a thousand times mm. all over the world like everyone's had like that's had some form of memorable music experience everyone has their music hall somewhere like it's just a yeah exactly but they you know because it was in Fayetteville it was like they would weirdly get like I saw like Under Oath played there yeah. and like I saw some like big bands that I mm. thought Probably should have most been everywhere like else I, you have to drive to Little Rock or or Kansas mm-hmm. City or whatever, but and with the music hall, like yeah, uh, Jonesetta, I, th- yep. I think uh, maybe Acidies Burn played there. I don't remember, but I think so. We had uh, some, yeah, yeah, we had some really really cool shows came through, and I remember we opened for like Bowling for Soup and the Riddling Kids once, which <laughs> nice, was hilarious. Nice. Um, the Riddling Kids, I have not heard that name in a very long time. You know That's what's like, funny is. <laughs> I've not been able to remember their name until just now. Like I really? have tried to tell that story because my wife is a hairstylist and he she cut all their hair before the show and we were hanging out on their bus and they had that. What's their like? No offense to you guys oh, if you're listening. Yeah, I, I doubt you're listening, but they had like one hit that was like I can't remember which song it was. Up. Yeah, it was like one yeah. song that was like humongous. I don't. Hmm. I don't. I don't remember. There were one of those I don't either. that like. They were super cool guys. But yeah, they played the music hall and Bowling for Soup and, you know, so. Wild. It was an interesting little venue. But yeah, it was special to us. It was really cool and a lot of good memories. And I remember like at the at the peak of when we were locally, you know, because before we got signed, we were, we were playing the music hall 
they they have like formulas now where it's like every six week don't play like yeah closer together than every don't six weeks expose yourself locally right. but we back then didn't have podcasts or business advice right right marketing <laughs> advice it was just we were our marketing was putting up flyers at the mall over the urinals mm-hmm. like we that was it and we played the audience as, man yeah they had to look at it but <laughs> we played as often as we could and then we formed other bands like we were all in like three four bands just so we could play right as often as possible mm. and i remember at like the height this was like 20 something 20 years ago so i don't know if i can remember exactly but the the music hall held like 250 people like fire code mm. occupancy was oh, 250 yeah, yeah. people <laughs> but i think we got like 550 in one time or 600 <laughs> yeah. or something nuts like it was just like i humans. i remember specifically yeah the under oath show was like 600 people or something yeah. too it was just like everyone just always it was such a fire hazard <laughs> all the time and there was no parking like i don't know how yeah. in the world they did that (laughs) like i don't know how the the fire department didn't shut us down every show but (laughs) but somehow it it always worked but they were getting paid off man yeah they were someone's paying them slipping them some money (laughs) so okay so then let's go into a little bit into like the wedding getting signed maybe getting a little bit bigger um Mm -hmm. how you guys you know went from like your First out, so your first out, did you come out with any EPs or anything before that Before that first record? You know... The self-titled? I'm trying to think. We did, we did some kind of local recording like before we ever got signed, but it mm. wasn't... I want to say it was before I even joined the band when Easier Said was, was Trevor and a couple other guys. I think yeah. they had a little recording and they did locally, but how we ended up recording our first EP was we were opening for a band called bleach, which is like a nineties. Oh yeah. Like they oh, were yeah, like the bleach. Weezer yeah, yeah. of the Christian scene. Yep. And, um, so they came through, we opened for them and most of the time when we open for bands, like they're super nice and like you get to know them and it, it's all great. But they took, especially like they're just very really open, personable guys. So they like talk to us and we're just like, Hey, we really like your stuff. Like it was really good. And specifically their guitar player, Sam, um, he was like, Hey, I, I think he was just getting into producing. And he was like, I want you to come to Nashville and I will record an EP for you for free. And we were like, Hell yeah. Okay. (laughs) And so we did that like not too much later. I think they finished their tour and I want to say it was their farewell tour. It was funny, like all the bands that we ended up getting to know, it was like we were coming on the scene right when they were ending yeah. <laughs> their careers. And so Bleach, I think, was on their farewell tour when we met them. So we go to Nashville. Um, we stay with Sam at his house in his basement, which is just some of the best memories ever. And <laughs> we end up recording at Dark Horse Studios in Franklin, which is like wow. a very yeah. nice studio yeah. Like, yeah, for our first demo Um <laughs> So we were spoiled right away. So we somehow he got us in a in like a small room there. Yeah, do you know like how he was able to afford that cuz like I don't know. That had to <laughs> Was he engineering there? Like was he I don't think he was if I remember it correctly, um 
I want to say he was just getting into producing because right. they were on tour a lot. He was playing guitar. I, he wasn't like in Nashville enough to be producing full time. And so I don't know if he had a connection. I don't know how it happened. But Maybe Dark somebody Horse, at Dark Horse yeah, was, was like a big Bleach place. fan. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and they were like, come on, man. And there may be, because we were in a different part of the studio, but the next part of the story might tie in. Maybe this is how he got it. But so the other guitarist for Bleach, his name was Milam, and his father-in-law is a guy named Mark Townsend, who ended up being oh. our producer. Yeah, that's what I was saying. So, okay. Yeah, I wanted to yeah. know the connection there. <laughs> so cool. Mark Townsend is in, there's like two major studios at Dark Horse, like, the cabin is, I don't know if it's called the cabin, I can't remember what it's called, but it's its like a really nice um, kind of standalone studio. And then there's like the main room at Dark Horse that you see like pictures of that a lot of the bigger names are in. So they were in like the standalone studio and we were in some like really small, uh, sweet studio. And Mark came over pretty much just to see Sam. Like they were recording, Mark Townsend was recording the OC Supertones Strike Back or record at the nice. time nice. or return of this That's, super, yeah, I can't remember which one it was and so he was in the big studio we were in this little room and I think he just came over just to see Sam and say hello and when he did he just listened to our stuff we were we were finishing up a day he listened to our stuff and was just like I really like this like it was kind of like for us it was just too good it was like too many things aligning right, really, right. like yeah. serendipitously when he comes in are you like that's Mark Lee Townsend right there. Like, <laughs> no, you, are we you didn't aware? Know anything? Okay, no. <laughs> like, wow. he, we had to get educated afterwards. Like, <laughs> Sam was like, like "This is yeah, a guess that is." <laughs> yeah, because um, of course, like we like Mark Townsend like discovered Reliant K. Like they were right. They were kids in his town. Like he mm-hmm. he recorded their very first demos and was with them their whole career. Probably mm-hmm. still doing stuff with them. So right. Um. So we. Obviously, once he started explaining, like, that's the producer of Reliant K. He's recording the Supertones right now. He's recorded the Evan Anthem, which was, like, a really cool... I don't know if you ever heard of the Evan Anthem, but they're mm-hmm. really rad. I can't remember what labeled they if they were Monover Stereo or who they were. But, mm-hmm. um, so... And then, if you've not heard, I'm sure you have, but House of Heroes Suburbia album is in my... Oh, yeah. Like, Mark Townsend produced that one. Some of the best producing I've... Like it's one of my favorite albums that's ever. So rad. Wow. So that's that's Mark and all of his work. So he comes over, listens to our stuff, and is just like, I really like this. And like it went really fast. Like conversation turned to like, <laughs> I'm working with this new record label. We have only signed one other person. He we left there pretty much with like, we'll consider consider you. And we were just like that's so that's at wild. this point we're like 18. <laughs> yeah. I'm 18. Wow. Cody, our bass player, is like 16 almost 17 <laughs> like we were just so young um and just you know wide-eyed didn't know anything right. about this world we were just like i think we just didn't realize how much of like a break this was we were just kind of living like, it oh, and yeah just like, yeah such a when you're a right kid time, too, right you're place. just like yeah. oh yeah this seems cool and then yeah, this like must after happen the to fact, everyone <laughs> you look right. back on it you're yeah. like this is literally insane <laughs> yes and I think I think it was the summer before this, we went to Cornerstone for the first time in Bushnell, Illinois. What year would and that have been? I think we went. So we went and did the demo in two thousand three, 
So I think it would have been like summer of 2003, or maybe it was even summer of 2002 that we were first at oh, Cornerstone, wow. and we started playing like generator stages and yeah. on the side of the road and like just mm-hmm. trying to get some attention. And mm-hmm. I remember like we were playing generator stages and we were like, we're going to play the main stage in a couple years. And like, we were just Vicious. that brash. Like, I love it. <laughs> and we did. We ended up playing the main stage at, at Cornerstone a couple That's years so later. Great. So it was just like a really weird, we were just really, I don't even know how you put it. Cause I wouldn't say like, it was a faith thing. Like it wasn't like we were like, we believe this will happen. It was just like a knowing or just like a, I don't even know how to describe it. We just kind of were, were, we didn't see it as a impossibility. We were like, right. Yeah, let's just, let's just do this. Let's and do it. Yeah. It's there was cool. a sense of like possibility and like certainty yeah. about it. Right. It nice. wasn't even like a difficult thing. It was just like, let's do it. Like, and I think when you're young and excited and just hopeful, you know, I hate seeing now, I feel like the generation now is dealing with so much more self doubt than I think we dealt with back then. I don't know if we right. were just, not as aware, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, thought we were uh invincible or something, but we just I don't know, we just kept doing it and it kept working. Um, and so back to we're at the studio, Mark Townsend is like, oh, I like your stuff, I want to I want to talk to you guys more. So we finished recording the EP with Sam, and it was it was cool, like it was great to have, like, oh, these are recordings of these songs we've been working on because. I don't think as the band at that point that together we had a recording. I think it was it was older. And so it was cool to have that and just have for people to listen to. And and so Mark Townsend ended up contacting us and was like, I'm going to fly out and see you guys play a hometown show. And so we wow. promoted it like crazy. <laughs> we had, it was one of those times where, yeah, we had like five, 600 people maybe in the music hall, which was just insane. Um, I remember... I was the one to pick Mark up from the airport. So I'm like 18. I drive a purple station wagon (laughs) and I'm picking up this record producer from the airport. (laughs) Not only that, something happened to his hotel arrangements and he ended up sleeping in my room in my bed. That's so great. So I have this like record producer in my house. I'm like, this is not this is not good. Like, this, is, <laughs> this needs to be more professional than this. Um, but the show was great. A ton of energy. Where, where, did, you, where did y'all play? This at the music just, hall. At the music hall, yes. That was where he came. That was like literally the only place we played around here. Right. We would play like, <laughs> we had a really strange connection with the Tulsa hardcore scene. Like we'd play Tulsa a lot and play the pink yeah. eye in Tulsa, play the gate in Fort Smith and... Mm you know, places in, in Joplin and Springfield and stuff. But the Tulsa hardcore scene, they loved us. We were the only band that sang melody. Everything yeah. else was just <laughs> right. tough guy just hardcore heavy. and metal. Yeah, you were the those token, kids were, like, melody people. But everyone was I, cool with that, though? Like, they're like, I yeah, don't know the why. all right. <laughs> I mean, those, there was some scary kids, like, right. that were our friends, but they were some tough characters. There was this guy <laughs> named Jack. Jack was the sweetest guy ever, but he could rip you apart. He's just this <laughs> big old boy. He'd been shot and stabbed, and we're like 18, and he's been through what? all of that already. Um, and uh, 
Yeah, for some reason they loved us. Yeah, we were the token. Yeah, you guys sing song always like because even because like I got pretty into hardcore and stuff like in high school and the music hall there was like a lot of like hardcore and and metal and stuff and and you guys always seem to have been able to like bridge a gap which is really interesting because yeah it's like the wedding is not like it's like it like rock and roll but it's not like hardcore right but i i mean yeah you guys just had something that everyone was like Kudos, man. Yeah, Whatever it was. super rad. Good, good for y'all. <laughs> Thanks. I think it was just probably just a collection of all the stuff we listened to. I mean, right. Clint, our our first drummer, Clint, who is just an amazing guy. He he listened to so much hardcore, like With Honor and um, Stretch Armstrong, and mm. just so many like hardcore bands that shaped the way he played drums and I think that probably Mm. influenced a lot of like the breakdown stuff, Definitely, you know, Cody as well. Like Cody, our bass player was just a genius musician and could play so many things and just pull in so many genres. And I think that, and I was super into hardcore for a while. I think we wanted to be tougher than we were, but melody (laughs) is just what works. Like there's a couple times I try to yell, scream in our stuff and it was just like, all right, that's enough. Like let's keep it to one verse and go back to singing. We hit the quota. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. That's all, that's all I can do. But I think also that's um, back to the, how we got signed story. I think that's probably one of the reasons they signed us because the guys that owned the label were um, the managers of Michael Levine Smith and Amy Grant. So they, they had a management company (laughs) that broke them into the CCM market. Mm -hmm. And they also were managers for Frank Peretti. He's like a Christian horror author. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) So they, they, uh, they broke on the CCM side and they wanted to try the rock side. So, so I think when they heard us, they were like, here's a young band that has more of the aggressive sound that we're looking for. That's also not so far aggressive that it won't connect to some CCM audiences. Right. right yeah. Um, so that was probably part of the reason that they, uh, they went our direction, which side story, this is crazy. I was, running sound the other night i still like freelance like run audio for Mm -hmm. some shows around town and a girl named carly bannister came and played in bentonville her sister's ellie holcomb of oh uh, drew and ellie holcomb no big and her dad is brown bannister who's like a famous producer like he produced amy grant and all her stuff but he's best friends with the guy who signed me 20 years ago and i'm talking to this girl like what like <laughs> Mike Blanton, the guy that who's in his seventies now, which is just nuts to me. That's wild. Um, and so it's just we're we're all connected. It all comes back to yeah. It's like the three de- three degrees of separation thing. It's just nuts how yeah. much we're all Small connected. World. But so yeah. Anyway, Mark Townsend came out. He flew out. He saw us. I remember he took us out to dinner afterwards. Which for a band that's like. Good things are about to happen. Right, like, yeah, you're yeah. paying for food. <laughs> was it like, like a fancy is, restaurant or like just like? No, uh, it was like, I think it was Village Inn, but it yeah. felt super <laughs> fancy. I bet it felt super fancy. I mean, you're getting wined and dined. That's what matters. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> the the guy that flew out to see us, 
that I picked up in my station wagon and is sleeping in my room is buying <laughs> dinner. So it's a good thing. Also, that's a great respect story. to you for like knowing that that was a little weird at eighteen. I don't think yeah. I would have like thought about that at eighteen. I would have been like, yeah, this is normal. This breakfast would be yeah. sleeping on my full size bed in my room at my parents. Yeah, house. it was. It was. I don't know how. I th- I don't remember what happened. It was probably some Walmart convention was in town. Ta- like something was probably. happening, shareholders or something, and there was no ho- like his hotel got kicked out or something like so it's just like <laughs> shoot, so shoot you're staying at my house <laughs> so he sat us down and was just like yeah like we're gonna offer you a deal and it was just like yes this can't be happening like and i think <laughs> i remember the most exciting thing to me was like our music is gonna sound as good on a recording as reliant k there's no way like i remember listening to like it just like yeah the quality i don't know if you guys remember like growing up and like trying to record yourself or listening to like local oh, yeah projects versus oh, like yeah. nationally released and just the quality mm-hmm. difference that's how much of a nerd i was is i wasn't right. thinking about fame or fortune i was like which we never <laughs> got by the way but like i was thinking about the recording quality i was like this right. is gonna sound so good you're just like sonically um, this will rule this is- <laughs> yes that's that was on my mind i remember that's great yeah i love that yeah i feel like that's like really there's so much like heart and integrity in that like to be that young and not be like seeking fame and fortune, but to just be like, I want our music to sound good. Mm-hmm. Like that's like a really beautiful hope to have for your for your project and pure. Yeah. There's like a purity about it. I I love that. I think for a sure. lot of it was just like not that we were angels because we did a lot of stupid stuff, but we <laughs> were just so like your typical like we don't know what's out there. Like we're so innocent and like right. We have no idea what we're about to experience. We have no idea what like being a signed band is like. We're just like, mm-hmm. okay, uh, sure. And so they got us yeah. official paperwork. I'm, we have pictures of us signing, and it's just like right. it was. We signed in two thousand four in April of two thousand four, and we had like a couple months, and then they told us, "Hey, your first tour." It's going to be with the OC Supertones on their release uh, on their farewell tour. So it was another us, farewell tour. It was called the Super Tour. It was oh, us, Super Chick, and Supertones. Nice. And um, someone else I can't remember. Incredible. But um, so, so it was just great. I remember I just honestly the other night I was in my attic putting away our Christmas stuff, and my daughter found a journal I had, and I it was. The intro I wrote the first night we left for tour as we're following the Supertones bus. Um, it's just wow. wild to think back on. Yeah, so that was that was how it all happened. Just a lot of like really, really cool like people helping us out. Like it wasn't really anything right. we did outside of just we played so frequently that mm-hmm. I guess maybe something was bound to happen. I mean, that's all we did. Like we, all we did was practice and write and play. Mm-hmm. And, but besides that, I mean, we didn't have any great like stories of like shipping a ton of demos to labels. Like we weren't even thinking about, you didn't even signed, get the right. chance to <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> recorded yeah. your first demo and got signed. <laughs> yeah. We, we just didn't have any business sense whatsoever. None at all. And mm-hmm. so all we wanted music. to do was play music. Like yeah, it was dude. really simple. And so we we ended up signing. Now I will say, side note, it was a terrible record deal. Yeah. Mm. It was awful. 
In fact, I would probably still be bound by it if the label didn't end up closing doors years later. Wow. Because it was like a seven album deal. Oh, it was like gosh. something ridiculous. Like That's wild. Super thankful. Like I wouldn't take it back because we got great opportunity and great experiences. And it was just like the tail end of the old music industry. Cause like right. it's totally yep. different now. This is pre-streaming like right. Cause that physical used to be a record sales, like a long term right. relationship between an artist and a label. Right. And it was with a reputable, like they had a reputable history. Like these guys right, were right. not just a brand new to the industry. Like they knew what they were doing. Yeah. And it was still like physical sales mattered of CDs. Radio mattered. Um, so we had at least a couple number one songs on Christian rock radio. They did a great job. Like the label did a great job placing us there. And um, I can't remember, like we didn't have amazing first, like back in the day, like first week numbers was really important. So like how many CDs you sold in your first week. Right. And that's how they kind of charted success for a release. And I think we had, I don't know if this is good or not, but I think we had like 600 something the first week. Back then, I don't for a brand new band. I don't know if that was good or not. It seemed like right. it was okay. Yeah. Um. But again, we had no business sense, so we were just kind of looking at them like, "Is that okay?" I don't know. Is that yeah. Good? <laughs> Are you okay with that? We're okay with that. Yeah. That's six hundred more than we would have sold. So right. And at some point, we'll make more. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was just it was a really cool experience really thankful for it like i said it was just kind of the tail end of the old music industry so right now like i spent a couple years as a music producer a couple years ago just for local artists around here and helping them navigate the new music scene and the new music business is um i've done a lot of studying on it but i can't really relate my actual experience in it much i can a little right. bit but it's just back Pretty then it was so world. different yeah yeah i mean the first iPhone came out in 07. Like, this is yeah. pre-social <laughs> right. media. Your, your second CD came out. Like, yeah. your yeah. second album. <laughs> right. So when we first started, it was old school. Sorry, go ahead, yeah. I was like, can I get a little nerdy here? Yeah. With just, like, Please. licensing and like, and, like, owning the masters and stuff like that? Cause, so you yeah. did your first two records on, was it was Rambler or Brave New World or what, which mm-hmm. one was it? Rambler. It started out as Rambler, and they switched names to Brave New World. Okay, cool. So whenever that like fell through, who like where did the ownership of like the masters transfer back to y'all or did like it get assumed by another label or something like that? I want to say I think the like label owners like since the the business dissolved, I would guess like the the signers, the signees of the company would end up retaining the rights cuz okay. we still i don't believe own the rights to our masters like it's technically not our music because because i've seen the sml xl vinyl uh pressed uh Mm -hmm. i think the first record in polarity so like did they have to go they didn't have to go through y'all at all it was just like oh i guess our record's coming (laughs) out on vinyl yeah so they just let us know and actually they didn't let us know mark townsend called me and was like hey they're putting out these songs on vinyl we're gonna re, re remaster them for vinyl, and like mm. this wow. is we're gonna put some B sides on there, some unreleased mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah, we weren't a part of that decision. 
Oh wow! They just That's informed crazy. us it was happening. That's a bummer. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's when you're in that world, it's like we are signing away our rights in order. And you know, honestly, like you can get into like right or wrong, but to us, it was a you know, it's a trade off. It's like. Mm. It's like buying a house. I'm a realtor now, right. so it's, this is my analogies. <laughs> it's like buying a house. You, you you get the bank to loan you money, and you get the house, and you pay it off, or you sell it and pay off the loan. It's a record label is just a bank. Like it's you can yeah. choose to super inflate your music career fast by putting a ton of money behind it with a label, but you're signing away your rights, or you can you know try for a really long time as end now. It's, some independents, especially now with how content is, you know, democratized and you can do stuff on your own. Back then, we had no idea right. YouTube and and everything would be what it is today. So we didn't see an option, and it is now. But I think still, a record label can still get you there faster. I'm not saying it's the best decision, sure. um, but it's it's that trade off of like. You know, if I go with the label, if we get big enough, I can renegotiate my contract or finish out the contract, then I can be independent. But yeah, it's always it's always a trade off. So it's a yeah, good perspective. Sure. Sounds like you're very like zen about the whole thing. It's like surprising. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm almost forty, so I've had a long time to think about <laughs> right, <these things>. right. <laughs> that helps. So yeah, at that point we were signed and we you know, just started making music. We started touring a lot. Um, we were playing 200-something shows a year, gone nine months out of the year. We were road-dogging it. We were not getting paid. We were jumping on tours for free, and then we'd sell merch, and that would be our only pay. Wow. Mm. Our label deal didn't have tour support, so we were not getting paid by the label. We would get, like, bonuses or pre-releases before an album started, in order to to fund some stuff and to give us some some cash to live on, mm. um, but did not, you know, for anybody wondering, did not make a ton of money. Like, did not make. A, yeah, I yeah. could not make a living now doing what we did then. Like, I was single then. I was a kid. Like, we didn't right. need much money. It was just like right. Yeah. As long as every now and then someone paid for Village Inn, you were you exactly. Were good to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The most the most money we saw was from there was a guy it was a music producer at MTV or a music director at MTV that loved us music supervisor I'm gonna get that oh, title okay. there you go right music <laughs> right. supervisor so music supervisors at TV stations they choose the music on the show so he loved us and so he put our music in the background of like every. MTV I remember, think, I, I remember so when sweet. you guys had a song. I was watching mm -hmm. Next, yep. the dating show with like the, the bus and stuff. I remember hearing uh, a song by the wedding, and I was like, yep. "This is so freaking rad!" <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. My favorite one was when we were on Pit My Ride, an exhibit oh. through the trunk open, and I'm singing. I was like, "This does not." I'm like, "Thank you for putting us in there, but this does not match the vibe." at all right like everything else is like snoop and yeah right. he'd probably be so mad if he knew they were putting your song in that moment he's like what is this <laughs> yeah. guy singing some weird pop punk melody over they're like so this is funny. what that guy listens to with his trump speakers <laughs> like okay. it didn't make any sense but 
That's the that's probably the most royalties we saw was from sync licensing, like yeah, TV true. licensing, paid more than radio and right. um, yeah. and all that. So, but yeah, it was it was a super cool time, and I look back on it fondly. Have you guys heard of that uh, band Leeds Symphony? Leeds Lead, Symphony? Leeds? No, I, I have not. Actually, Good. yeah, I have. TJ, you have? Yeah. You know Leeds Symphony? I do. Yeah, I think they just came out with a new a new album. If I'm not mistaken. Oh wait, no. The band I'm thinking of has been defunct for a long time. Oh, oh shoot. Who are you? Okay, tell yeah, me. Maybe. Oh, well, hey guys, guys, wait, wait, Hold, hush, hush. What? Have you all heard of? If you like Leeds Symphony, have yes. you heard of? Manchester Orchestra? <laughs> no, but I've heard of uh, London Aria. Yeah, and oh Birmingham Overture. Okay. D- wait, wait, hold on. Birmingham Overture. <laughs> I just, I, I want to put TG on the spot and see how many other British cities and synonyms for orchestra he can come up with. So wh- um, what else you got, TJ? Yorkshire String Section. Okay, love it. Oh, oh what's the, uh, Dover, uh, Cl- Cliffs of Dover... Corral. I don't know. I, I shifted <laughs> over to, to singing. I, corral of I Dover. I ran out of material. Uh, <laughs> the Corral of yeah. Dover. Thank you, Josh. There yes. you go. Yeah, there you it. go. Yeah. That, that's pretty good. You could do um, Birmingham Madrigal. Oh, that's mm. good. Yeah. But. Okay. Why are we talking about Manchester Orchestra? <laughs> well, TJ was talking about it, but I, I was oh, talking about right. Leeds Symphony. Leeds Symphony. <laughs> there is a new Manchester Orchestra album out recently called Valley of Vision. And I pre-ordered it for vinyl. It's out already, but you know how vinyls are backed up and everything like that. But I put in a sweet, sweet pre-order for my vinyl copy at colliderecords.com. And what's cool, so they have like the regular standard black version, but they also have the iridescent blue, the indie exclusive version. And so you know I picked that one So I got to go indie exclusive on it. It's got the black audiophile version for you audiophiles out there if you're a black vinyl only kind of person, but... I got the blue one because it looks great. Mm -hmm. That's so rad. So can you walk me through the process of how you purchased this incredible new lead symphony record? (laughs) Yeah, give us the scoop. Well, I went to colliderecords.com and I saw it in the Mm -hmm. pre-order section that they have where they have a lot of other cool stuff in there as well. And I added it to my cart. But then before checking out, I went in and added a promo code. (gasps) You did. I had one. I have a promo code. Do you guys want to know? I can tell you guys if... You keep it on the DL, okay? Okay. All right. I won't tell all right. Just it's us just here. us. All right. If you just type us. in church Nobody jams else. now, all one word, you'll get twenty percent off your first get order. Get out of here. I threw that no su- I threw that puppy in there and boom, twenty percent off my order. Dang, that's super for that rad. sweet, sweet blue oh, yeah. vinyl. Indie huh? exclusive. Sweet, sweet. You get to support an independent record store. What else could you ask for? It's a great deal. I'm looking at it right now. It's a really pretty it really shade is. of blue. It matches. I love it when Sick. the color of vinyl kind of like goes with the album artwork, and I feel like it definitely does goes in with this the vibe. case. Yeah. That's so cool. Oh. So yeah, if listeners want to get the new Manchester Orchestra vinyl, which which <laughs> that record is like super rad. I'm very excited that you got it. And yeah, Kylan and I are coming too. over. I think yeah, yep. I love that it. Collide Records so. has it in stock. Yeah, exactly. And they have mm. all kinds of other stuff like it. And if you just go to colliderecords.com and type in Church Jams Now, all in word, at checkout, you will get 20% off your first purchase. 20% off. <laughs> all right, we're done with this. Let's get back to our regularly scheduled programming. Then let's see from there. Yeah, I mean, the rest of 
I was only with the guys for three years. I was with them from when we signed in 04. I mean, all through high school, but from when we were actually right. signed from right. 04 to 07. So I recorded the two albums with them, the self-titled and then Polarity. And then I got married and it was like, I like my wife more than the van. Yeah. Right. And yeah, I'm yeah. going to say you made the right call. Kevin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't I need got, me telling you that. Yeah. But. <laughs> but it was still, it was still a hard call and honest sure. to be honest, not to get too, um, too like in, in the fields here, but I was not living great on the road, like was mm. not healthy mentally right. and yeah. just making some bad decisions. Um, not living, not living my best. And so it was kind of a it was kind of a necessary difficult but necessary decision that if I would have kept living the direction I was, it probably would not have been good. I definitely wouldn't be in the situation I'm in now. There probably had have been some pretty serious um, you know, interventions to to get yeah. me back on the right track. So, it Again, was a level-headedness, man. Like you're just <laughs> well, you're just like you found your lane and you knew what it was the whole time. I it was hard. It was tough. It was really tough. So when I left, it was pretty emotional. I I knew it was a good thing to do, but it was also kind of it was really bad timing for the guys because sure. we were we had just right before I left in two thousand I left in like September of two thousand seven. At the end of two thousand six or beginning of two thousand seven, Capitol Records was looking at us and they flew us out um, to New York city. We showcased at Arlene's grocery, which is like a iconic NYC venue. Mm -hmm. And there was just three people there. It was like the, the A&R for capital. It, I don't know if it was the president It was some, some head honcho at capital. And then the president of EMI distribution, North America, we played for these three guys (laughs) in suits. We did our whole set full out for three guys and how does that they didn't, feel that's yeah just, yeah i just Walk i want to take a moment that. and just like <laughs> like how you it's do New weird York, you talk to three guys you three people <laughs> <laughs> it was weird and i think it was like i don't remember doing super great like it right. was like this is just not the same as a oh, show understandably where people so, are yeah yeah singing back to you and we had done showcases in nashville the nashville sh- showcases were more people mm-hmm. but still like industry people at desks taking notes right like right. yeah i did one of those and it was the most awkward show i think i've ever yeah. played yeah those were always super weird because Just especially bizarre. with something like, like music where it's like and a show and especially coming from like you know playing shows like at the music hall or you know in Tulsa and like a hardcore scene and then like touring and all this stuff like, like there's bodies. a totally different vibe like it's like, like totally how i imagine energy. When people talk about like like auditioning for SNL, where it's just yeah. like just Lorne Michaels who just like sits <laughs> yeah. there, I'm like that's got to be so awkward. Yeah, yeah, you have to really turn on the like performance side and just because yeah. like, even as like in a band, like you're a performer, but I think that certain like part of the music industry that like post emo hardcore was very like you said, communal. It was very, mm-hmm. very much like you're in the room with the crowd, a lot of feedback, yeah, shared right. experience. a lot of shared experience. Yes, exactly. Whereas like you would take it up a notch, like we played shows with Reliant K and like would jump on shows with them 
and you've got the barrier. You've got, you right. know, we were playing shows with like 500 people, 400 people was a good night, like mid-level. You jump up, play with Ron K, you got two, 3,000 in a room, and you've got a barrier between you and the mm-hmm. crowd. Like, it just changes. And so right. we were performers, but it felt more... I don't know, felt more real. So then when you have to actually, no, perform for three people, like perform, yeah. you did feel like a stage actor or like a... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was different. Whereas if you had people right up against the stage, it didn't feel like you were acting. It felt like, no, this is the real me. Like, we're just having right. fun together. An experience. Yeah, right. Right. And so it was different. It was different for sure. So we left that showcase and Capital was like hey, you're not big enough. You don't have a big enough following for us to take you and push you to the next level. And I don't know if they were being honest or if they were just telling us that because they didn't like... I don't think guys at that stage really have to be honest. They probably, If we just sounded awful, they probably would have told us. (laughs) Yeah, But that's what they said. And so I don't know, you know, I guess to really break a band at that level, like at the, you know, take... Who was big at that time? Like... You know, like capital bands. I don't know. 2007. Because that was the same year that Reliant K had their capital record for five score. Okay. So they were, I guess, yep. trying yeah. to get into the, like, Trash trying to come in with stuff facts. from the CCM market, I mm-hmm. guess. Mm-hmm. Who are, like, these big pop punk bands we can make big? Yeah. And our connection with capital, I think that time it may have been a blend of Reliant K helping us out, but it was also. Um, we were talking to a new manager at that point, and he was the manager of Scary Kids, Scaring Kids. I don't know if you ever oh, yeah. Yeah. listened to them. Loved Scary so Kids, Scaring Kids. we got to know them a little bit, and uh, funny side note, I still, I was just texting Chad Crawford the other day from Scary Kids. He, they asked me to come be there, to think about being their vocalist Wow. at one point after I left the wedding, oh, and wow. so we knew them, we knew them pretty well. And so their manager, we were talking to him about maybe being our manager, and I believe the capital connection came through that route. But that makes sense. But yeah, so Capital said no. So obviously that's a big letdown. But mm. we were at that point it was just like you're just like the next opportunity is always right around the corner. Like we're just hoping, you know, the next song the next i mean we didn't really have singles back then like we do now like pe- right. we're not releasing songs monthly like it's a project mm-hmm. you're writing a whole record you're then releasing singles off that record right. yeah. with the whole record coming out we're not we're not recording and releasing individual songs right and so leading into a new project and like we were booking festivals like cornerstone all the summer festivals alive fest Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. sunshine fest like all the big festivals we were booking for that next year and that's when i stepped away and so all the festivals did not book the guys for the next year even though they filled my slot fairly quickly with Mm -hmm. a like an interim replacement with a friend of ours they still didn't get booked and so it was rough for them and honestly, it took years for us to really, I would think they would say like, we're cool now, but it took years for us to like, be okay, like for them to be okay with me probably, because it was a rough 
a rough time for me to leave. They understood completely and they supported right. it. But that doesn't change the fact that it it was rough on their, their livelihood. Yeah, it's yeah, still yeah. Hard. that's a yeah. tough yeah. line to toe between personal mm-hmm. and business. Yeah, and so we had a reunion show in 2017. We we a ten year reunion of Polarity, and we had it locally here in Bentonville and nice. played two nights in a row at a club here in Bentonville. It was super Abishai fun. Played with y'all, right? Yep, yep. Abishai yeah, right. played drums with us because our. Yeah. Our drummer Matt Jameson, who was who was with the wedding. So what's funny is like people talk to me about the wedding, which I love talking about the wedding. But I was in the band three years, and they toured another like seven. So like right, right. Matt Jameson and Matt Shelton, who took my place, who was the singer of Letter Kills. It's like the yeah. best best replacement. I was mm-hmm. so honored because I was a I was a big fan of his. Yeah. Um. So Matt Shelton, Matt Jameson, Adam Throne, Trevor, and Cody were a band longer than the original crew right, was right. together. And so they wrote some amazing music after I left. Also, they got cool after I left. <laughs> <laughs> they got like deals, like gear endorsements. They're, they nice. created this like amazing show, this backline when when I was playing, we were like playing with no shoes. It was like the <laughs> the redneck. We tried to be redneck. It was not organized. They like right. started wearing like all black, like button up. Like they just got cool right after. <laughs> so I missed the cool era with the gear endorsements. It was <laughs> it was all redneck, just yeah, goofy when I was there, but. So, so y'all were uh, actually the Reading, and then they were the wedding. Yeah, there, <laughs> oh, you, go. there you go. There you go. Very good. <laughs> yep. I I wonder I'm if sorry. I could get nerdy as well for for just a second, guys. That's what the show is. We got to stop trail. asking if we can be nerdy. All right, yeah, we just got to embrace it. Well, yeah, okay, but it's not like <laughs> it's a warning. I feel like it's oh yeah, like Josh gets nerdy in the producer arena. I get nerdy in like the the writer kind of uh, space. So mm-hmm. I'm really curious. Uh, Kevin, if you might have a story or an anecdote about um, y'all's, you know, from from a perspective of how do y'all write, and then what was maybe like a challenging moment um, mm-hmm. that you experienced uh, in the band during your your tenure with the wedding, like how did y'all approach writing, and maybe what was like a challenging situation um, in regard to writing, or or maybe even recording. You might mm-hmm. drift yeah. into the recording world as well. Our writing process was not eloquent it was getting in a room and someone would have an idea trevor would have a guitar lick i'd have a little piano melody so it could start from any number of places any number of places that's and really we cool just, actually i think that's like that shows versatility yeah i mean we would just jam out on that in the room and i would just sing nonsense words to find <laughs> melodies and then we would just keep doing that like we we had to practice at least five days a week, if not more. Like we just, wow. every single day, like we took it super seriously. Yeah. And one, we just loved it. So like it wasn't hard. And so we just, yeah, we would just get an idea and we just go over and over and over. We didn't have like, I've learned so much now about song structure and stuff, but really there was not a lot of, finesse with that when we were right it was just like 
we like this. This is cool. Does it move us? Is it exciting? Is mm. it, do we get energy from it? And then I would, I would take that later, those melodies and mumblings, and then I would, I would work on lyrics after the fact. So I did okay, not okay. have lyrics that I'm like, these are the lyrics we need to write this song around. It would pretty much always be music and melody first. And then I would use that to shape the lyrics afterwards. But yeah, that's gotcha. cool. Cause then does like the song and the feeling of the song inform the lyrics and like what mm-hmm. you're saying? For sure. The vibe guy. Yeah. 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 That's pretty And cool. it would be the, you know, whatever the, the beat, the rhythm of the core. I remember when we wrote the song Move This City off the first record, which was like our probably local favorite. Like everyone mm-hmm. always wanted to hear that song. You know, that chorus, Trevor just has this like staccato guitar part and it's just the feel of it. Lyrics would come to me based on the song direction like the music the direction of the music would inform the lyrics i've never been the kind of songwriter that is is good at like i have this huge idea i'm not as smart as like the oh gosh what's his name the guy that does all the gray's anatomy music that's flipping genius sleeping at last yes i'm not him Um, where he can like Ryan O'Neill, that's his name. Yes, yeah, right. where he has like a total idea of what he's trying to accomplish before he starts. Like that's not right. It. <laughs> I, I I find it as we go. So that's how we wrote, and it just worked for us. And I remember a challenge to answer your question was mm-hmm. when we were recording. I want to say it was polarity because I think we came into the first record having a lot of those songs done. So we were. We came into the first record and we'd already been playing those songs. We kind of got right. discovered on those songs. So it was, they were done. Polarity was my first, was our first, like, there's a deadline. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> art with yeah. a deadline was our first experience with that. Like, we always did art for pure enjoyment. And now we're having to learn the business and the the label side of it. And so I remember we wrote all the music recording was like a dream come true it was at dark horse and while they recorded like drums and bass like me and trevor whoever wasn't recording were down playing halo in like this (laughs) part of the studio with this giant projector screen (laughs) there was like all this food like donuts and red bull just stopped and we (laughs) ate and drank so much donuts and red bull Later found out that's all being billed to us that we're having to recoup on our record sales, which we didn't realize at 18, 19. It felt free, but it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, the recording process was just so fun. But once the music all was finished, I had still not finished my lyrics. Like, Mm. I had melodies, I had ideas, I had choruses probably mainly Mm -hmm. built out, but... All the verse lyrics, bridge lyrics was not completely finished. And the name of the album, like we didn't have yet. And we were getting close to the deadline. I remember we were finishing music and I was slotted to start my vocal recording like in two days. And I was still working on lyrics. And this is like, we're on a deadline, Kevin. Like you had to get this done. (laughs) And when we went to Nashville to record, so we never lived in Nashville. We always lived... In Northwest Arkansas, we would just be in Nashville for extended periods of time. And we mm. always 
still at that time we'd stay with Sam Barnhart, who we started with, or um, we would stay with Davey Basinger, who was the singer for Bleach. Mm. Who Davey's just one of the most wonderful, sweetest people in the world, and was just always so welcoming. And um, we would stay at his house, and I remember driving from downtown Nashville back to his house with him and just talking through ideas and talking to him is where the first idea for naming the album Polarity came up because a lot of the lyrics I did have and was working on was all about struggle. It was all about light versus dark. It was all Mm. about internal turmoil because it's a lot of what I was experiencing. It's a really personal album to me, which is kind of unfair. Mm. Like I think... People don't realize how much, unless a whole band contributes to lyrics, ours probably did a little bit, but mm-hmm. it was mainly, I was the lyric writer, they were the bulk of the music, um, mm. and so it's kind of unfair, because the whole, all the songs are pretty much my my struggle of what I was dealing with at time. I didn't realize yet that I was leaving, but it was kind of preemptive of that oh, wow. happening. A lot of me trying to face struggles I was having in my life and things I knew that I was not being true to myself and and true to my own integrity about. And so a lot of the songs are about that. Mm. And so I remember talking with Davey and, and landing on like, man, it's like totally a polarized force within mm. me. Like it's 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 opposite ends pulling at each other. And so that helped give me... Like I said, I'm not Ryan O'Neill, so I don't start with a concept. So we're almost done, and now I have a concept. Finally. Right. (laughs) Um, So I'm like, okay. So that helps me look at these songs that I have yet to finish. And even after that, I remember talking with Davey and being like, okay, I got to finish these songs. Like, this is what I'm trying to convey. He was helping me with lyrics. And we, we pretty much pull it off. Like, we get all the lyrics done, but then I learn round two of label life is that you can't just say whatever you want like they're telling you like these lyrics are inappropriate and so i'm on a christian label what and i have some lyrics that are just like uh the song schizophrenia on polarity Mm -hmm. that goes i'm my own worst enemy the original lyric was slip the noose around my neck something i can't remember the original line after that but they were like, you can't, you can't, can't say, say that. that. Like, oh dang, you can't <laughs> cool. talk about nooses and stuff. <laughs> and I remember in my like nineteen twenty, I'm probably twenty one now. And I remember just being like, this is a violation of my artistic <laughs> l- freedom. Right, and they're like, right. oh, first off, you sign that away. Like, <laughs> yeah, you don't have that. true. That doesn't exist. But <laughs> but that inclination is is correct. Like as an artist, yeah. right? Like if if what you're if what it's it's tricky, right? Because it's like, well, they hired you to do a job, right? And mm-hmm. what is that job? Create something from a pure and authentic place. So then, yeah. for you to bring that to them and for them to go, uh, actually, we hired you for this job, but we want you to do it this way instead. Mm-hmm. Like that, I think your instinct is actually correct at nineteen <laughs> yeah. or however old you were. Like, right? I I can't imagine how frustrating that that must have been. But yeah, yeah technically it was. you signed it away, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, it it was frustrating and I got super mad. And me, I remember g- like going to 
toe-to-toe with Mark Townsend and him being like, dude, wow. change it. And I was like, no, why would I change it? <laughs> why would you yes. like, this is stupid. Like, let's track the song. And he was so patient. Like, I was such a little turd. Like, I had <laughs> so much attitude back then and had so many anger problems. Like, I remember one time we, this is embarrassing, but like, we were at some show and we did not think, probably mainly me, did not think it was wrong to take our pocket knives and just throw them into the drywall of this <laughs> venue. And it wasn't even a venue. I think it was like a church and we were probably like in their, like one of their like youth rooms. We were just like slinging our knives in. Like this is not like a cork board, like just into the drywall. Right, into the- <laughs> and I remember our, like our booking agent who we were lucky. He was like huge in the country music world and switched over to, um, doing Christian rock stuff. And he was our booking agent. It was kind of a big deal that we got him. And I remember him, like, I wish I knew him now so I could apologize, but I remember him emailing <laughs> me and being like, dude, you can't throw knives into the wall. <laughs> and uh, this is how, like, much of a punk I was. I wrote him back and I just said, you do your job, I'll do mine. <laughs> that was my response. <laughs> As like a 20-year-old to a guy that was very successful in his career. Right. Like I just yeah. had no idea. <laughs> uh, I was just... So keep that in mind with my attitude and my ability to like be reasonable at that point in my life. Yeah. And so when Mark's telling me like, you got to change these lyrics, I was just so stubborn about it. But mm. eventually... I came around. It was just like, you know what? Okay, fine. And we just started working on it. And honestly, I can honestly say, like, it came out better. Like, yeah, yeah. Not only did the overall song theme of what I was trying to say actually come out better, um, but it was it, it just worked. And so there was something out. There was a couple other lyrical edits that they had, hmm. um, and it seemed like a huge deal. Looking back now, it's not. It, it wasn't like, if they were telling me I had, I think what would be worse is that they were telling me I had to say something I didn't want to say. Mm. But they were just telling me I couldn't say something right. that say was potentially way. offensive. And so, yeah, you can look at it a couple of different ways. But ultimately, it was it was a learning experience. And Yeah, I feel like it's, it's part of that trade-off that you were talking about earlier, right? Like, that's just another right. component of like, okay, we're with a label, like we're representing a certain brand or like vibe and that's this is what it means to to mm-hmm. be a part of that. Yeah. Did you have to submit the lyrics to them first like email them this is what I wrote or did they just hear like after you've recorded the vocals like the scratch vocals or something like that? I had not recorded yet and to be honest I cannot remember if I submitted like a doc of like all of my lyrics. Hmm. It may have been that Mark read through them. Mm-hmm. And might have seen like this is probably a red flag, and him being wise and being like, I don't want to retract all this. Right. He probably yeah. might have just said, "Hey, that was yeah. an efficiency. This move. is what <laughs> Kevin wrote. Can you sign off on this?" And they were like, "No." no. Um, <laughs> if I had to guess, that's that's probably what happened. Nice, yeah. that's wild. So yeah, so that was a challenge. That's a long answer to that, but that was That's a great answer. Great answer, yes. That was a new experience, was just having to have that 
vetted and approved. Right. And honestly, that's super fascinating to hear about, Kevin. I appreciate that because as a musician who has been entirely independent in all the bands and projects that I've been a part of, I've never had to deal with censorship or or mm-hmm. having being told like, hey, you have to alter something. Like I've had complete creative freedom and I really I have a great deal of, of respect and admiration for your ability to navigate that even in your moments of like being stubborn or 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 kind of struggling mm-hmm. with it initially. Like it's really cool to hear you share with us how you how you dealt with that. That's Thanks. Really interesting. Yeah. If if anything I've learned in my music experience is that collaboration and even the challenges of having pushback from a label or a you know it's like it's the old adage of the the sand and the pearl right it's like any agitation is going to work towards Mm -hmm. making something better totally so that's the tough thing because I tried to do the independent thing after the band and realized very quick, like, wow, I was only one fifth of something really good. Like mm. that was not me. And like right. even the negative sides or the difficult sides of the label, even that pushed and shaped us. So I think independence and solo artist independence, especially, have such a hard like it's so difficult to refine yourself. Like it's mm-hmm. really, really, really hard. And so I try to do it on my, on my own and not near as like even close to proud of the stuff I've done on my own that we did in the wedding, just because collaboration is just such a better, better way to do it. For sure. I love that idea of like collaboration as refinement. That's, yeah. That's so good. Yeah. So even if like I've tried I haven't written anything in a while, but when I do, I'm going to try to like bring other people along. Even if it's like, Hey, just give me, give me feedback, critique this. And I think we're always able to grow more when we allow people in on the process and, you know, allow them to maybe critique something that we hold really close and dear. Um, But it all depends on how much we want to grow. Sometimes we don't, Sometimes we want it left alone, and that's fine. Like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. different totally seasons, cool. but well, okay, that I like. I could keep talking all night, but that seemed like a <laughs> like a beautiful and poignant place to end this. I and mean, we, we've been going a little over an hour. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else we want to touch on briefly, Josh or TJ. I don't know. I have like a little question, but it's okay. Kind of silly. It doesn't have to. Listen, let's end silly then, because I was like, question, that yeah. felt like that felt like to me in the movie. That was like the no, beautiful, that was great. That was great. This like, can be the post credits. This can be this the post credits, like the bloopers. Yeah, <laughs> or the like scene you wait. I just watched the new Ant Man the other night with my oh, family, yeah? and oh, you yeah. wait for like thirty minutes after the movie to see the little <laughs> scene at the. That's exactly. what this can be. Yeah, that's perfect. perfect. All right, Josh, what's your okay? Well, I first have to ask: Do you remember when the when the self titled came out? Because I'm mm-hmm. seeing dates for February and for April online. Oh gosh! I, um, I, I, I there's like February fifteenth is where I find it. Some places and other. This places is what like Josh April does. 5th. This is Josh's gotcha journalism. It's not. <laughs> it's not. It's also it, just how his brain works. Right. No, it <laughs> does. Lead, there, it, it does lead into a real question if it is a certain answer. Is there um, an actual date on it? Because. Tuesday used to be release day. I think they're both Tuesdays though. Oh shoot. I, I have know, that's no why I was idea, like, honestly. 
Okay. Well, we can continue with the question, I guess, assuming it's April. Because so <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, I have from trusted sources like Jesus Freak Hideout that says it was April 5th. So I'm like, that seems like legit. Yeah. Uh, which is when we're planning on releasing the episode for covering oh, that that's record. Cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so the self title came out in April, and Polarity also came out in April. So, like, I listen to music and certain artists like seasonally. You're like, this is like a great summer band. This is a great like spring or fall band. And I'm curious, like, for a band that you're in, that you're in it for all four seasons and doing stuff <laughs> like that. Like, I don't know. Is there like when you think of the wedding, are you like? yeah, we're this kind of band, or was it like on purpose being like, yeah, we'll release our records in April kind of thing? Like, mm. is any of that intentionality or just kind of coincidence? And like, or how do you view the, the band now? Yeah. It was <laughs> definitely the label. I don't think we had any choice of that. I will tell you, our grasp of any kind of business intentionality seasonal int- it was zero we had no <laughs> idea any of um what you should or should not be doing when it came to the business side so i <laughs> would not be surprised if it was solely the label which that was 2005 so yeah, we would have released some kind. We had some kind of EP released before the self-titled. It was called "With Love." With Love was the name of it, and it had mm-hmm. like a like a three song, I think, of our singles because we started touring in April. I know we signed in April of '04, so it had been a whole year. So we probably, I mean, that probably would be close. Probably April. Mm-hmm. So April right. is just the wedding season. I guess so. <laughs> How do you feel about nice. the wedding? Like, I don't know. Is there a certain time where you're like, oh, yeah, this makes you like nostalgic to like listen to? How do you view the wedding? You're like, yeah, that we're a spring band or we're a fall band. Or I would say. If you do or don't at all. I would say it feels summer to me. Like, it feels like. Mm, I like that. If the, if the, I'll still like, my, I got three girls and they, they listen, they listen to polarity every once in a while. I'll just hear them flip it on in their room and they love it. And so if it's so like cool. summer, amazing. yeah, it's really cool. If it's summertime and we're, we're driving and windows down, that seems like the best time to, For sure. to throw it on and everybody nice. just For sure. reminisce. So yeah, I still will occasionally, you know, in the middle of summer, you got to roll the windows down, put on morning air and oh, just yeah. like cruise down the highway, man. I will definitely say I personally like polarity more than I feel like the first record is like not not embarrassing, but just so it sounds so young. It feels like we Mm -hmm. jumped 10 years in for sure. Yeah, it's like almost a totally. (laughs) But it it goes back to that. Like you're talking about like art with a deadline, too. And Mm -hmm. that came after like years of like touring and just like refining all of that. Yeah. So yeah, I would say summer. That's a good question. I never nice. thought of us based on the seasons. <laughs> that is a good question, Josh. That's why we keep you I around. I thought it'd be a fun one. Nailed yeah, because I'm like, obviously as a listener, you have different perspectives. Like, oh, this is when that record came out. Or like, you just, but I'm like, when you're in the band and that's your life 24-7, I'm like, how does that feel? How do you view your Yeah, music? how do you view your own work kind of stuff. So yeah, thanks yeah, for indulging. Awareness. That was just a fun question <laughs> for me. 
Yeah. That is fun. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. So I think we're we're coming kind of to a close. So Kevin, is there anything you want to you want anything you want to leave our listeners with? Anything you want them to know? I know like you have some solo music and stuff. I don't know if you want to mm-hmm. lead people to that. Uh, it's super good, by the way. I know we didn't get a chance to get into that, but uh, yeah, or anything Instagram, Twitter, anything like that you want you want to tell people about. If you want to move to Northwest Arkansas, I'm a realtor. Like me, <laughs> Kylan. We're trying to get Kylan to move here. Yeah, it's gonna happen. So 2023, we're gonna find him a house. Um, no, uh, in all seriousness, like I think. If there is, for for any songwriters, artists out there, just know, you know, talking to you guys, this is stuff from almost 20 years ago, like that I wrote and I was a part of. And I think that's the cool thing about music and art is its ability to really mean something to people and, Mm. and outlive seasons that it goes beyond what we what we think it will mm-hmm. and do more than we think it'll do. And, you know, I've had a lot of people have the experience of like when they put something out in the world and someone lets them know how meaningful it is. And we've had people tell us like, hey, this song really helped me. I got to record a girl locally here who was with a church band and they were writing a song. They wrote an original worship song. They came to the studio and recorded it. I got to produce it. And she told me after the recording, she waited till the end of this, but she said after we recorded, she was like, hey, you don't know this, but I tried to commit suicide and in rehab, I discovered the wedding and your music is what helped me heal. And it was just like, wow, man, that's that's worth all of it. That's worth all of it. Yeah. And so it's amazing. You know, I think I'll just encourage songwriters artists like what you have to say matters and Mm. you know i know that like being honest and authentic is super important in art but i think it's also important to take what we do seriously in the sense of like putting out light and joy and influencing the world for the good we have a lot of dark Mm. and and Mm. if 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 it comes out that way if people need to write dark stuff that's great I would just say if there is a way to turn it into benefiting and encouraging and uplifting people, that art is super powerful. It's going to work one way or the other. It's going to bring people down or it's going to bring people up. And so I would just encourage anyone listening that has a gift to give it and to put it out there in the world because you never know what it's going to do. I got the benefit of hearing someone tell me that, but... You may never get to know what you do. And when I say art, man, you could write blog posts and short story. You could, anything could be encouraging to someone. You could write a tweet that really changes someone's (laughs) life. So just whatever you put out into the world, we can put anything out in the world now. Anyone can, and it's going to go all over the place and do who knows what. So I think just as artists, as creatives, be thoughtful about what you're putting into the world, use it for good, use it for the benefit of others. And if you get the chance to hear it come back to you, it's really special. But even if you don't um, know that, you know, what you do matters and um, how we spend our time, how we spend our creativity matters and be encouraged with that. 
Dude, I'm encouraged. <laughs> yeah, good. That's a Taking word, us to man. church. That's that's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, that that's, was so thank good. Thank you, Kevin. So cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So now, yeah, we're gonna end on that. Just absolutely we have to. awesome. We Incredible. Have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we can't top that. So yeah, let's just get through all the other nonsense. Follow us on social media, <laughs> patreon.com slash church names now podcasts. Um, may all your favorite bands stay together. And of course, peace out, Mon Frères. Okay, what were you just saying? <laughs> what were you saying, okay. Kevin? So one of the things when we first got signed, Mark Townsend was Reliant K's producer and our producer. And so something they did to help us was Matt Thiessen sang on our album on uh, But A Breath. And then I sang on the song I So Hate Consequences on the Mm-hmm album of Reliant K. Which turned out way better for us than for them, obviously. <laughs> um, but one of the cool things that happened out of that is that album went gold, and they gave me a gold record for... <laughs> so I have a gold record just for a little, like, four-second vocal part. Right. <laughs> the thing that really I still kick myself about is it was a very short vocal part. I was supposed to, this is how dumb I was back. This also goes into like (laughs) talking about how like I just wasn't very bright back then, but they wanted me (laughs) to sing the, the back and forth. So that song is like, um, here I sit looking at the traffic lights, the red extinguishes the hope that the green green ignites. ignites. I was supposed to do all the back and forth. I just sang the like, um, gotta get away, get away from all of my mistakes. That was me. Uh-huh. I was supposed to do all the back and forth, and I told them I wanted to go home and see my girlfriend. Oh, no. <laughs> so I didn't oh. stay, which I'm married to her now, so it that's also, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess, okay. Right but <laughs> really, I think we would have probably stayed together if I stayed one more day and sang the whole song. Oh, no. So I still kick uh, myself about that was not a good decision. But right. they still gave me, a, they were very kind, and they gave me a gold record you still for got that the very record. small vocal part. Oh. So I like to tell people I have a gold record. It's not oh, yeah. really for anything I did. It's just I piggybacked off of Reliant yeah. K's yeah. success. You did four but, seconds of something. Yeah. Yeah, it was four. Uh, maybe less <laughs> that's so good though yeah i'm sorry i don't know where we'll put this in the episode but i just we'll find somewhere yeah no, we we had to get yes. that in there that's, that's so literal good. gold yeah. we had to have it yeah I, ha- I have it hanging in my real estate office it makes zero sense but i had to put it somewhere <laughs> oh yeah for sure oh, that's the best if that doesn't make conversation piece. to use you as their realtor yeah. i don't know what will kevin for sure yeah <laughs> church jam